0: Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olawumi Brigwe. I'm a transmission Life Coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, the premier personal development platform equipping and empowering women to create their best life from the inside out. In the not-too-distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's Word. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, my goal is to help you disengage from limiting and faulty belief systems so that you can think differently believe differently, and live differently. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. This is Allow Me Brigway, and welcome back to the Super Abundant Life podcast. If this happens to be the first time that you're watching me or you're listening to this podcast, what is my day job? <laughs> I'm a transformational life coach and I'm also the founder, the creator of Super Abundant Woman. What is Super Abundant Woman? It's an online platform where we provide women that are serious about their growth with life changing content community and coaching to help them put God first. So that's the most important thing that we're trying to help Christian professional and business women do. Women that have multidimensional lives, we want to help you put God first because when you do that, everything else in your life slots into place and begins to work exactly as it's designed to. When you put God first, then you enter into the grace of God, you ditch the toil and the stresses of life, and you enter into what I call the supernatural flow that allows you to effortlessly create the life of your dreams, a life of impact, a life that is satisfying, a life of supernatural success that is actually touching the world, especially in the ways that God has put in you to do. So essentially we're saying you will fulfill your calling and you will also have a wonderful time doing it. <laughs> so that is me. That is what I do. And I'm so excited to be back on the podcast today with episode 133. Hmm. One, three, three. I remember when we literally started episode one, turned on my microphone. I think I even just used the microphone of my computer and literally just started recording. I mean, that's an encouragement to anyone that is listening to me You're watching me. You're listening to me now and you're thinking, oh, I need all this. I need all these gadgets and everything else to be able to start whatever I know God has put in my heart to start. Girlfriend, just start. (laughs) Start with what you have. The best place to start is from where you are with what you have. And yeah, episode 133. We've been going now for how many years? Two and a half years, something like that. And I cannot begin to tell you the kind of impact that this podcast has had on people and on my business. In fact, almost every day somebody reaches out to me and tells me how the podcast has changed their life. I'm grateful to you for tuning in. Don't forget to share with your friends. Don't forget to put these podcasts out there. There are people out there that need to hear some of the words on this podcast, some of the teachings, and literally it is the difference between where they are now and where God wants them to be in their life okay so please 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 share and let's spread the word so episode 133 one of the things that I decided to do in 2022 is to actually go behind the scenes I always say that I'm a very private person I'm an introvert and all those kind of things all of that is true but what I'm starting to learn more and more, what God has been emphasizing and teaching me is even the stories of your life, even the shameful things of your life, the things that we want to hide away and say, ah, nobody must hear that one. Or even those things could be a healing balm for someone. Somebody somewhere listens to that and feels that, oh, you mean it's not just me. You mean it's not because I've done something terribly wrong. That is why this thing's happening to me. You mean there are people out there that are also going through the same thing. So what I've, increasingly come into, in terms of knowledge and wisdom, is to open up more and more in terms of allowing people to see the engine behind the storefront. So going to the back office. I mean, the storefront looks, you know, fantastic. Someone might look at my life and say, I'm doing well. And in my own estimation too, I believe that I'm doing well. I'm not where I'm supposed to be in terms of forever. I'm still growing. God is still taking me by hand to greater heights of glory every single day. But I'm satisfied. I'm fully content with where I am. I'm truly grateful to God to... for how far he has brought me in life over the past, God knows how many years of my life. But some people might look at that and draw a conclusion and say, oh, it's because she's lucky or oh, he's, it's because this happened to her, or oh, it's because, oh, she's in the UK, or it's because, and they might sort of explain it away and exclude themselves from being able to enter into the same thing because they seem to think that there's some kind of special grace or special anointing or special favor that has created those successes in my life or in anyone else's life that you admire. And the truth of the matter is that's false, all right? Nobody literally has special attention with God. He loves each and every one of us equally because that love is not dependent on our actions on what we do, it is dependent and founded primarily in our Lord Jesus Christ. So if Jesus Christ is constant, it means that the love of God towards each and every one of us, the expression of his favor towards us is constant. Now, the way we access those graces and those blessings is what will create a distinguishing or differentiating factor. So there's some people that have leaned in, that are doing the things that are making it easy for them to access the favor and the graces of God into different areas of their life. So the real question we should be asking is what are you doing or what have you done behind the scenes that has made it easy for you to enter into these graces and these favors of God that you're experiencing in your life. And that is why in 2022 on this podcast, I'm going to be taking you behind the scenes a little bit, some of the things that I've practiced for years, some of them over 20 years that have helped me create the life that I'm enjoying today. And I'm going to start with one of those today because I'm going to be talking about the simple acts of discipline that have literally transformed my life that have dramatically changed my life over the past 20 years. And I have five of them that I'm going to be sharing. So I will talk you through each one and also share some resources that you can access to take this further into your life. If it is something that you're not already practicing. Now, let me clarify. These are not the only five things that I do. Obviously. So there are fundamental things like prayer, etc. So there are fundamental things that I do in my life that definitely are not on this list. So I'm just talking about things that may not necessarily immediately occur to people that are not always obvious. But if I were to write a list of 10 things that have truly, truly caused my life to be transformed into what it is today, five of those 10 things are here on what I'm going to be sharing with you today. Okay, let us get started. The first one for me is meditation. (laughs) Meditation. Now the reason why I put meditation on the list and the reason why it is appearing first is because before I knew what meditation was, I was a Christian. I loved God. I prayed a lot. I prayed a lot. I read the Bible a lot. Do you understand? I was serving in church so this was, this was around university time, serving in church, doing all sorts of things and just basically loving on God but there were areas of my life that were still defeated and I'm like but I can see these promises. I know that God wants me to have these things. I know that God loves me. I know that my heart is open to receive what I need from God. so why is it that these areas of my life are still defeated? Why am I not walking in victory? So I put meditation first because meditation is what I stumbled into that made the difference between literally being a Christian that loves God, that could be praying a lot, that could be doing all those other things and still living in defeat versus a Christian that is walking in victory in every area of their life. you know when I talk about you can have it all? As a Christian, you don't have to settle for, okay, my career is working, but my marriage is destroyed and that's okay. That's life. when I say you can have it all, what I mean is literally you can walk in victory, supernatural victory in every area of your life. And I can say hand on chest, God be my witness for several years now, that has been literally my own testimony that has been the way I have lived my life for many many years. I can't look at any area of my life and say, Oh, absolutely, this one is so far behind everything else that is just not working. No, absolutely not. And it's because I have practiced certain things over the last 18 to 20 years that have literally helped me. Okay, so what do I mean by meditation? Meditation is definitely one of those keys for me. Meditation is not sitting down and just humming. Meditation is not even necessarily thinking and say, okay, you need to think about the Word of God. Uh, Meditation is not reading God's Word, right? You open the Bible and you do your Bible plan and your devotional, it's part of it. But if that is all you do, you're not yet meditating on the Word of God. Now, let's see what meditation is. Joshua 1.8. God said to Joshua, and literally Joshua was about to enter into a very significant phase of his life. Moses had just died, and he was going to take over from Moses and see how those people, <laughs> those Israelites, see what they did to Moses. And God knew that those shoes you are going to fill, they're really, really, really massive shoes. So he gave him one key, and God said to Joshua, here's what you're going to do meditate on the word, for them it was the Torah, the law, day and night. Then you will observe to do according to all you should in there and you will have good success. So when you actually look at the word meditate in the Hebrew, it means to mutter, it means to speak, it means to release the words, to ponder it. Okay, so meditation is not necessarily you saying, okay, I've read the Bible. I'm going to think about it. It's part of it, but the real practice of meditation, if you go and study biblical meditation with the Jewish people is speaking, speaking God's word out of your mouth. So taking scriptures, promises, the word of God from the Bible, personalizing them, and then speaking them out loud to yourself. Yeah. Yeah that is meditation and i can tell you that is literally the key the tiny change that i made all those years ago that transformed my life that is why i'm saying it first so i call it scriptural declarations scriptural declaration it was what made the difference between me being pregnant at seven and a half months dejected i was praying a lot i didn't know what to do and then i i happened upon a book called faith and confession by charles caps read that book and i was like oh my goodness so this is what has been missing from my walk with god all these years began to practice immediately what i read in that book which is basically scriptural declarations going into the scriptures as guided by the holy spirit and letting him lead you to specific scriptures that he brings alive to you then taking those scriptures not just reading them and say oh father i thank you and you're rejoicing i see the word god has given me no you begin to speak them over your life you begin to speak them over your career over your finances over your marriage over your children etc you cannot not be speaking god's word over your life Right? And I don't want to get into the whole why you must be speaking the word of God. And that is why I said I will share with you resources because today I just want to unveil some of the things that I've been doing behind the scenes. (laughs) There are two sets of resources that you can access straight away. The first one is our meditation teaching series in the soul library. So if you're in Soul, a super bono man, you can literally go there now and begin to listen. I taught a series on what meditation is, how to meditate, how to literally take the words of God to change the images in your life. Okay. So that's there also in, Soul, we have a scriptural bank. Of declarations. So, literally, we have an entire folder that is dedicated to scriptural declarations concerning every area of life that you can think of. So, if it's your career, we have scriptures and we have personal license. So, all you need to do is take those scriptures and begin to speak them over your career. So, that is already prepared for you. If you're a listener of this podcast, because you're listening to me now, Episodes 101 and 102 are also great resources that you can literally go and listen to, to help you further in meditation. If you've listened before and you didn't just go on to practice any of those things and you moved on, then I encourage you to go back to practice and then begin to see the results in your life. Remember, I'm sharing behind the scenes, five simple acts of discipline that have cost me to achieve supernatural success in literally every area of my life over the past years of walking with God. All Right? So the first one, as I said, is meditation or scriptural declarations. The second act of discipline hmm, that has become part of my life is gratitude or thanksgiving, gratitude to God gratitude to people expressing gratitude being grateful because if you're not grateful you will very quickly enter into what is called the entitlement mentality we even have entitlement mentality with god you say god why didn't you do this for me so you did this i mean excuse me if he had not even originated that relationship with you by giving his only begotten son so that you can literally be translated from the kingdom of darkness from eternal death and damnation into life eternity with him you would not even be saved father in the first place you would not even you know, have the opportunity to be saying in the name of Jesus, I'm praying in the first place. So when we forget to be grateful, when we forget to be thankful, to give God thanks for everything, you literally slip into entitlement mentality. Even in our relationships, you begin to complain, your husband, he didn't do this, he didn't do this, but you are forgetting the one that he is doing. Yes, he's not doing everything, he's human after all, even if it is only 10% that he's doing and the other 90% you're like, you should be doing more. That 10%, when you begin to express gratitude and genuine heartfelt thanksgiving to him and to God for that 10%, that 10% before you know it will become 70%. So gratitude is so important. Gratitude keeps me in a state of abundance. When you're someone that has a grateful heart, you will barely be stuck in life because no matter how stuck you feel and you begin to give God thanks for what he has done in your past up until that point, your mind opens up to possibilities. So many jams that I've entered into in this, my life. The thing that has brought me out, especially immediately is gratitude. Thanksgiving. I just begin to sit down and think. Hmm. What has God done? I began to go back and say, okay, there was even a time when I was in a situation that seemed even worse than this one. See how God stepped in. See how he used this person and that person to help me get out of it and to bless me. See how he even disregarded the fact that I intentionally made, you know, made a mistake. See how he ignored and disregarded the fact that I, with my own two eyes, I knew that I should not do something. I did something and God still said, don't worry. I forgive you. Now let's get you back on track. When you begin to live like that, honestly, depression stays far away from you. It stays far away from you. And I'm not saying that lightly because I've been there. I've been trapped in that pit of depression before. It's a hellhole. I'm never going back there. No matter what happens to me in life, no matter what life throws at me, I will never get to the point where I allow the clouds to become so dark that I do not begin to give God thanks for what he has already done. God told me once, he said, if I never do anything for you again, you can still spend the whole of eternity giving me thanks. Why? Because the blood of Jesus, first of all, gives us access. The fact that you are breathing. Oh goodness. Do you see what I mean? So this is how I live. This is how I live. As in sometimes it it seems too much The way I keep thanking people. There's no one that would do anything for me, whether small, medium or big that I will not make sure I go out of my way to make sure they understand that I am grateful. It is extremely rare that somebody would give me something or do something for me and I would not say, oh, thank you so much. That is really thoughtful of you. I'm so grateful. I mean, this thing has opened so many doors for me. God has looked at my heart of gratitude and opens doors for me that I did not even ask for. Do you see what I mean? So a heart of gratitude, don't be a complainer, don't be a murmurer, don't live with an entitled mindset. Even your children, they do things for you. I mean, I thank my children, even though it's chores. Even though I know that at the end of the day, them doing those chores is going to benefit them. I still say thank you. I say thank you for for doing that. Thank you for the way you did that. Thank you for, you know, whatever it is. I still say thank you to them. It's not only when they give me birthday gift that I'll thank my children. I thank them for everything. I thank my husband. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? Things that a husband should be doing when he does it. I thank him. I say thank you. Randomly, I will just say, oh, my love, thank you so much for working so hard. Thank you so much for being such a fantastic provider for this family. Thank you. I mean, I say things like that, not because I'm using it as a formula. It's because it is genuinely who I am. I have trained myself to be a grateful person with a grateful heart. Always overflowing with thanksgiving. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. So gratitude is such a powerful powerful habit that you can embody. Let me give you an example. So <laughs> no, last year, towards the end of last year, I had a minor accident, a car accident. It was, nobody else was involved. I drove into something <laughs> I didn't see because my car is really high. I didn't see the thing, you know, there's, they're called bollards. They're like traffic calming things. Like, like, um, it looks like a bell. It's like a steel iron bell. It's black. If you live in the UK, I think they, they, they're like bells and they put them on corners, uh, street corners so that motorists do not go into, uh, onto the pavement. So basically they're put there to protect pedestrians. And I was parked in a parking bay and because my car is really high and the thing was obviously on the floor, you know, sitting in my car, I, I can't l- literally see what's in front of me. So I didn't see it and I forgot that it was there. So i literally drove <laughs> i drove over this thing and my radiator burst the end as in just that tiny 30 second accident nobody else was involved nobody was hurt uh, they're not a scratch on me it was just literally something as simple as that driving over a bowl the whole car so basically because it was severely damaged, it took a while. So they had to order the parts, etc. I just got my car back like a few days ago and it took about three months, three months for them to fix this car because of how badly damaged it was. And they're very thorough. So this particular company, in fact, too thorough for me, but I just put anything and bring my car back, <laughs> but they were like, no, it has to be the best. Whatever fine, whatever. So three months and then in that time my insurance provider of course they'll give me a curtsy car so apparently the <laughs> i think i was doing you know what they call ijebu, which is i was being like i'm not spending a lot of money on this insurance because the insurance was already quite expensive and so i think i had picked the one where if you can't drive your car they'll give you a curtsy car but i had picked like the lowest form because who, who thinks they're going to have an accident right so the lowest class of cars and this was one small tiny as in you can't <laughs> small, very tiny car so when I called I said okay my card sick out they said oh this is the car you're going to get I said what's this tiny car how will I fit in this car how will my family fit in this car and at first I was making a lot of fuss. I'm like, no, you have to upgrade it. It has to be like for like, uh, uh, how can you look at what I'm driving? Look at what you're giving me. And I paid for the insurance etc. I was making a huge fuss. Ah, As I was making that huge fuss inside me. Now here's what I'm saying. Inside me, it was not gelling. I was like, this is not the kind of person you are, right? You're not like this. You're not a complainer. You're not a complainer. You're not like this. This is not who you are. You should be grateful that they've even honored this contract to even keep you mobile, regardless of what the car is. My father was like, no, no. <laughs> I was trying to fight for a better car. But after a while, they were not budging. And they said, no, this is the car you're going to get. I said, okay, fine. I took the car. And then I readjusted my mindset. I went back to the real allow me. And I just started expressing gratitude to God. And Father, I thank you for this car. do you know what? For some reason, I really enjoyed that little car. Oh, it was fast. Boom! Before you <laughs> before you press the accelerator is gone. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's because what? I'm a grateful person. I engage with life with a, with a sense of gratitude for everything, not entitlement. So when I was fighting them, I say, no, 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 see what I'm driving. See what you're giving me. That was a sense of entitlement. That was literally a sense of entitlement. Like this is what I deserve. You're not giving me what I deserve. And when we get trapped in that, oh, look at what I deserve. Life is not giving me what I deserve. You become a miserable person. So when I realized that these people, this is what they're going to give me. I said, okay. This is the car we're driving for for now. Let's see how this goes. And like I said, I actually thoroughly enjoy that car. All right. I was happy to get my car back, but I didn't go three months soaking, complaining, feeling sad. Thank God I am mobile. There've been days in my life for the first, how many years of my life? When I didn't own a car, where you were walking up and down. Even when I moved to the United Kingdom, I didn't get a car straight away in the freezing cold in winter, me and my little baby will be going up and down, getting the bus, getting the tube, getting the train. So, I mean, for somebody to hand over a car to me, and say, take, I mean, I was like, what do I have not to be grateful for? Do you see what I mean? So that lifestyle of gratitude is so important. It was gratitude that helped David defeat Goliath because he looked at Goliath, which was a threatening situation, but he looked back like, oh, see what God did. Oh, Father, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to have defeated the lion and the bear. And because he focused on what God had done, he brought him into a mindset, into a space of abundance that he was able to defeat Goliath. That is the second Simple act of discipline that is a lifestyle for me. I promise you some resources. For super abundant women on the platform, we have something called a book of remembrance challenge. And in that challenge, I literally walk you step-by-step through creating what I call your book of remembrance, being able to document the most important victories of God that he has done in your life to help you cultivate this lifestyle of intentional thanksgiving. So we've done it in the form of a challenge. So day one, you do this, day two, you do that. And then by the end of it, you have your book of remembrance. I have also cultivated that habit of gratitude and thanksgiving. So that's in there for you in the soul library. And also if you're listening to this podcast, you can go to episode 46, when I talked about the lifestyle of gratitude. Okay. Let's move on to the third one. The third one is a disciplined tongue. Disciplined tongue in three dimensions. Number one, the kind of words that I speak over myself. Number two, the kind of words that I speak over people, whether they are people in my life, my loved ones, or people in general. And number three, the kind of words that I speak over the situations in my life. A disciplined tongue. You can't live the supernatural life. You can't be all God has created you to be if you have a loose tongue. If you only say things as they appear, if you only say things as you feel them, if you say, Oh, this is how I'm feeling. So I'm going to express myself. I'm going to say, it. I'm just keeping it real. If you are keeping it real and you have a habit of speaking words in quote unquote, keeping it real. You literally will forever be playing catch up where God is concerned. God will always be ahead of you because everything you're saying will keep pulling you back. From what God is doing in your life. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit therein. I was just always uncomfortable speaking ill of people, speaking ill of myself, or speaking ill of my situations. I've always been uncomfortable with it. And then when I came into Christianity and working actively with God after I became born again, I began to realize that, ah, so this is why I've always been uncomfortable with gossip. This is why I've always been uncomfortable with speaking ill about people. Do you see what I mean? A disciplined tongue. You can't escape it all. If you're going to do wonderful things that will blow minds on this earth. Anyone that has a loose tongue, Will have a loose life. It's like a, a city with broken down walls. Anything and everything will be entering that life. Why? Because of a loose tongue. So let me break it down. What do I mean by words over myself, words over people, and words over my situations? Don't call yourself what God did not call you. Do not speak about yourself what God did not say about you. Even if it is somebody you respect that labelled you that thing and said, you are this and you are that, but you know that it is negative. You know that it is not fully descriptive of the identity that God handed you in Christ Jesus. Don't call yourself it. Do you see what I mean? So a disciplined tongue in terms of the way you describe yourself, the way you speak about yourself. It's so important. Don't make a mistake and say, why am I always so stupid? I don't, I mean, I don't understand why people will call themselves things like that. Don't you realize that what you call yourself is what you become? Words are creative forces. Every time you open your mouth and you speak words in the realm of the spirit, that thing is being created and being presented to you as your reality. So don't say, oh, I'm just lazy. Oh, I'm the greatest procrastinator. Do not call yourself things like that. You can acknowledge and say, ah, I find that I keep procrastinating, but with the help of God, I'm becoming more organized I'm becoming more diligent. You call yourself who God has called you. So that's the first one, discipline tongue regarding what you label yourself. The second one is discipline tongue where people are concerned, speaking ill of people. In fact, I remember growing up, like I said, this even, quote unquote predated me having certain access to knowledge about the importance of words. God somehow in his mercy just taught me. I don't even remember where I learned it as a child. I've always sort of been uncomfortable with it. And I remember, I remember my, my mom and she came and she was basically complaining and talking about someone say, see what this person and da da da. And I was like, well, you know, it's not easy. I mean, and I was basically defending the person and I was saying, and I didn't know the person, it wasn't like the person was my friend. And I wanted to defend my friend. I didn't even know who she was talking about. She was basically hurt by someone. Somebody did something and she was like expressing her anger to me. Like, see what this person did. How can somebody be like this? This person is this person. Not. And I said, well, I'm sure they didn't really mean it, etc. And in midst, as I was talking, she just stopped, She looked at me and she said, oh, I cuckoo know you, you will not speak ill of anybody. You will you will keep defending them. You will keep defending everybody. And it just, it struck me. And I've never forgotten those words. I've never forgotten that conversation because I realized that that's something good. She was saying like, you know, you're not a good diss partner, like that kind of thing. Like why are you defending this person after what you know they've done? I'm telling you they've done something wrong. And it was meant to be a slight, but I took it as a compliment. I was like, father, I thank you that I'm like that because listen, the Bible says that Satan came. And he found nothing in Jesus. He had nothing to hook Jesus with. Do you know what he was referring? The Bible was referring to. He was referring to offense. He was referring to bitterness. He was scanning, looking for unforgiveness, looking for ill gotten words that Jesus had spoken over people, looking for anger, looking for all those kind of things that he could use as leverage to say, Hey, he's not pure after all, do you see what I mean? So these things are important. Let me give you a specific example in the Bible. John the Baptist, the foreigner, the person that literally was created to be the foreigner for Jesus. He was the one that baptized Jesus. He saw the spirit of God descending upon Jesus and with his own mouth, he said, this is Christ. This is the one. I'm not worthy to carry sandals. The same John the Baptist got so offended that he sent his disciples to Jesus and said, are you the one? Now, how did Jesus respond? Jesus said, Hey, see this one, John the Baptist, you, hey, of all people. He could have started talking all sorts of things, started criticizing. John could have started saying, Hey, that's That's why you're in prison because it's your mouth. Do you know what Jesus was saying? Jesus started talking about all the wonderful things about John. The Baptist he said there's nobody that's greater than John the Baptist. I'm like, wow, what an example. What an example. Literally Jesus was hanging on the cross. The people he had helped crucified him. He said, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing." Who? If you cultivate this this lifestyle. I mean, am I saying that you will never feel angry? No, that's not what I'm saying. You feel the feelings, take it to God and say, "God, help me. Ah, this person they vex me or ah, they vex me." but don't use your mouth as a weapon against other human beings. Try and cultivate that habit. Try and cultivate that habit. You see what I mean? Don't take something that is private. Somebody told, Oh, this person did something and somebody told you, and then you now carry the same thing and you then go and spread it and share it. You should feel uncomfortable using your words to taint another person's image. The words that you use to describe your husband or your wife or your children. Don't use words to injure. Use words to build up. And of course, there are times where somebody does something and I just, you know, and I do. Does that mean I'm 100% never using my words against people? That's not true. If I said that, I'll be lying. But most of the time. And when I find myself saying something, I'm like, ah, no, 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 no. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. One of the ways that I make sure I stay and remain that person is I speak words over my own life. The Bible says in Proverbs 31 that she only speaks when she has something of value to say and she only says it with kindness. It's part of my daily confession. Remember I said in the beginning, number one is scriptural declarations. If you identify anything that you want to be, in the Bible, begin to speak it over your life. So as far as my daily declarations, I say with my tongue, I bless people. With my tongue, I bring healing. I speak only when I have something of value to say, and I build people up with, with my words, with in kindness. I do not tear people down with my words, your words towards people. And of course the last one is your words towards situations call into existence what you want, what you desire. Stop using my mouth to describe the situation exactly as it is. This marriage is just destroyed. This marriage is a joke. (laughs) I mean, stop saying things like that. Your words have power. Your words have power. Okay. So the third one is a disciplined tongue. Number four. So the fourth simple act of discipline that has helped me create supernatural success in literally every area of my life is time mastery, knowing how to master time. This one goes without too much explanation. (laughs) I don't need to talk too much about this one. Do you know one of the biggest things that is holding people back, especially people that lead multidimensional lives, which is pretty much all of us. So you are working, you are married, you have kids, you are active in church, you are doing this. It is what? Not knowing how to master time so time mastery being pulled in different directions and constantly feeling like you need more time like 24 hours is not enough feeling rushed off your feet busy 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 all the time this one i was forced into it it was not by choice (laughs) but i am so grateful to god that i actually leaned in when god was teaching me this principle all those years ago. How did I get to the point where I have learned to master time? And what do I mean by I've learned to master time? It means that I have um, an abundance of time in this day and age for somebody that is a multidimensional woman that is doing different things. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a business owner. I'm a pastor in my church. I volunteer in other places. I give my time to people, people literally have access to me generally and they come and say can you help me with so i'm doing so many things i run a team i run a company i own businesses and all these things then let's not even talk about my extended family and so on i'm a sister to my siblings i'm a daughter to my father etc etc but i'm telling you that i have an abundance of time. I still have time to do all those things and to show up in a way that I'm supposed to show up. On top of that, I have time to rest. On top of that, I have plenty of time to engage with God, with my father, to keep my prayer life going, to study the word. Because you say, oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time to study the Bible. I really want to, but there's no time. Listen, it's because you have not learned to master time. You're allowing time master you but God gave time to you as a gift. You are in charge of time. Time is not in charge of you. Time should not dominate you. How did I get here? I moved here to the United Kingdom, had my daughter like two weeks after I moved to the United Kingdom. I had just finished university. So when I went into my career, my daughter was two and a half months old three months or thereabout when I started post-grad. So did post-grad for a year full time, then went into a full-time career. My, my daughter was extremely young. Like I said, two and a half months. And I went into a very demanding career, high stress environment, the kind where you are putting in 80 hours a week, right? Cause I was a teacher and a teacher, you don't just show up and teach. The work you do before you literally go and teach the kids for an hour, a lot of people that put in four to five hours planning that one hour lesson. Do you see what I mean? So, oh my goodness, I was like, God, it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. And I still had to work. When I was studying, I still had to work. So, I was tutoring, going up and down the streets of London from house to house, tutoring people. On top of that, I was in school full time. I still had to take care of a baby, two, three month old baby, not a three year old that can still do some things for themselves. I'm talking about a three month old baby. So I was like, God help me because I don't want any area of my life to go down the drain. I want to raise a beautiful, fantastic child that loves you. That's doing amazing things in this world. I also want to be absolutely successful in my career. I also want to have time to thrive in my relationships, in my work with you. And literally, that's why I say I was forced into you, and God began to teach me about time mastery. And I've practiced that over the last 18 years without fail. People say, oh, you're so busy, you're so busy. I'm not busy, oh. I'm not busy. Every minute, well, let's say every hour of my day, is assigned something, so I don't just have time where I'm just there's nothing that, that you know is, it's assigned for. It is assigned, but it's not like I'm rushed. I'm like no, no. <laughs> I'm the calmest person you will know. I'm rarely ever rushed off my feet. In fact, I hate being rushed. I hate being rushed. Do you see what I mean? But did I start like that? No. Did it just jump on me? No. I learned it. I have learned to master time. I've learned to master time. I thought that most people would operate like that until everywhere I turn, people are telling me I'm just so busy. I don't, as in to pray. If I don't pray, it's not because I don't have time. It's because laziness was worrying me. It's because I'm like, God, It's too cold to get out of this bed. Do you see what I mean? It's not because oh I'm just so uh, never. As in, I can't remember in the last eighteen years of my life where I wanted to do something and I did not have time to do it. It's as in, it's inconceivable for me, literally. Do you see what I mean? So mastering time, you must do everything you can to master your time. Don't let time master and dominate you. Your relationships have been left neglected because you keep saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Do you see what I mean? So time mastering is the fourth one. And if you're a super bond now, woman, you're going to love this one because I just recorded a whole teaching series plus a challenge to help you master your time it's called time productivity challenge and it's in the soul library. So go and access that. And I, in, in it, I talk about five faulty mindsets because lack of time is not a time management issue. It is a mindset issue. That's what God started to teach me that the reason why your life feels like oh, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time is first of all, a mindset issue, you should begin to change your mindset and view life differently and grow in that area. You will literally step into an abundance of time. I mean, I have time every day. I watch TV unless I don't feel like I have time about 45 minutes in my day where I say, okay, which we're watching a series. Let's watch the next episode. I have time. I have time where I sit down to think. Do you see what I mean? So the time productivity challenge is there for you in the soul library. Stop going around saying you don't have time. It is reducing the quality of your life. Honestly, honestly. If you're not prioritizing your spiritual life, putting your prayer, life, your word life communion with the Holy spirit service, being connected to a little church, anything that has to do with your spirituality. If you're not prioritizing, if you're not giving a good chunk of time in your day and in your week to that, and you've relegated it to almost be non-existent. Why? Because you say I'm just so busy. You better go and change. I'm telling you, I mean, that is your lifeline. That is a source of your strength, of your wisdom, of favor, of open doors, of creative ideas. Do you understand that? Don't play with that. Stop using time as an excuse not to pray. Right? If it's a lack of desire, pray for desire. Say, God, give me a desire to pray. But if you're using time, I say, oh, I just don't have time. It's not true. It's not true. So get in there, go through the time productivity challenge. By the time you finish that challenge, I'm telling you that your life will be literally transformed. You will get your time back and you will find that you're actually being more productive and achieving more by doing less because you're doing less. You have more time to enjoy the things of life. You have more time to do the things that you enjoy doing for the sake of it. Do you see what I mean? For example, me watching TV. Watching TV is not necessarily contributing to my destiny, quote-unquote, but I enjoy it, I like it, and it helps me. Do you see what I mean? It It helps keep me in a very balanced frame of mind, and I watch it. And I have the time to do it. On the podcast, you can also go and listen to episode 37. Right, so let's bring this home. The final act of discipline over the last at least 20 years of my life that has helped me create a super abundant life is what I call big picture thinking. And I'll finish with this. This is the fifth one. Big picture thinking. What do I mean by that? It means that stop sweating the small stuff. Stop stop being so myopic that you only ever see what is in front of you. Let me explain what I mean. Somebody is going through a situation at work and when you are in the fire, it feels like fire. So it's a difficult situation. You might even call it a crisis and it is bombarding your mind and you feel sad about it. There's so much going on. People are backstabbing, saying things about you and it feels so heavy upon you. Now, every single one of us will go through trials, challenges, affliction, life will throw things at you. There'll be things that with your own hands, trouble is sleeping. You go and wake it up and pull it into your life. But there will be things where you're going on your path. you are doing everything you're supposed to be doing, but things, you know, obstacles just literally show up in your spot. So we will all go through situations that are not good. We'll all go through things that cause us to be hurt that cause our emotions to be riled up, etc. What do I mean by big picture thinking? It means don't become so focused on what you're going through that you forget that there's another day called tomorrow. Do you see what I mean? So for example, somebody that is going through that challenge in that career, if you don't realize that this is just one thing, it will pass. In five years time, five years is far most likely in a year's time, when you look back, you'll be like, oh, is this what really got me twisted up in knots? This is how I live. As in, it is very rare for me to go through anything that makes me feel like, oh, this is the end of the world. But do you know that there are people like their car gets blocked in at the supermarket, for example, and they can't get out on time and they feel like they have a meeting that they need to get to and they will engage with that situation as if it is the end of the world. Like, oh, I don't understand. Why is this always happening to me? And they get so riled up over something tiny. Do you see what I mean? So big picture thinking means that you put things in their perspective. I find myself saying things like, mm, it doesn't matter. Jesus loves me. Mm-hmm. After everything, mm -hmm, he loves me and he will always work things together for my good. That's big picture thinking. Understanding that, listen, no matter what happens, God loves me. I am highly favored of God. He loves me. He's looking out for me. And last, last, even if I lose the job, God will bring me another better job. He will restore me. That's big picture thinking. When you think beyond the scope of what you're going through and not allow yourself to be trapped in that little thing that you're going through, because the closer you get to something, the, the wider and the bigger that thing appears to you to the point that people get so deep into the situation that they're going through that they don't see any good thing left in their life. That is the root of depression. That's how depression comes on people. And in fact, that is what leads people towards suicide because they get so hopeless. They get so engrossed in that situation. They don't zoom out and say, in the scope of things, this is one small thing. They don't zoom out because when you zoom out into big picture thinking, you begin to put things in context. Like, okay, fine. I know that I'm going through this challenge, but in the grand scheme of things, that one's working well, that one's working well, that one's working well. And at the end of the day, God is going to help me and restore me anyway. That's big picture thinking. Big picture thinking is what got me through two of the most traumatic experiences in my life. The first one was as a young lady, when I got pregnant outside of wedlock, it was big picture thinking because what Satan actually succeeded in doing for the first few months of me getting pregnant. And even prior to that of (laughs) doing something I should not have done. And then finally that I'm pregnant. So. Literally, it was like the walls came closing in that I could not see beyond that situation anymore. Almost became my identity. Like, oh my God, this is who I am for the rest of my life. And he succeeded, until so God began to literally pull me out of that and expand my vision and say, "Look at the good thing. There's a child that is coming into the world. Your child. It is a gift from me. That's big picture thinking. Do you see what I mean? Like." This is just in 10 years time, you will look back and you'll be like, Father, I thank you for this wonderful child. Big picture thinking, right? It got me out of that. Second one was when my mom went home to be with the Lord. I can't describe the pain. Unless somebody goes through a painful loss, the loss of a loved one, you can't really explain it. That is why my prayer for anyone that loses anyone is like, I pray that God, the only one who knows how to comfort in these situations, that his presence will sit upon that person's life. That's the prayer I pray. So when my mom passed, oh my God, the pain. I was, again, I was pulled into that. Oh my God, I'll never speak to my mom again. Oh my God, my mom, my mom. And it was even more painful because of the way she passed. Because there were so many complications that helped and it was just like, How can my mom, the last days or months of her life, be like this? How could she not have enjoyed a super abundant life as her life was being wrapped up? I'm like, why? No, God, this is... And I was pulled in. And it was big picture thinking. When God began to show me the big picture, he said, what you are thinking is you are being myopic. You're only focusing on the fact that she's not literally here with you for the next however long you are going to be left on this earth. But if you believe what I say that you will spend eternity with me and your mother is there in eternity, eternity, the time that I have left on this earth. Yeah. 50, 60 years. Yeah. It is small, a job compared to eternity that I will get to spend with my mom without sickness, without death, without disease, without sadness. Do you see what I mean? So the more I leaned into that, the more I allowed that truth to come to me, the more I embraced that, the more I was able to receive healing to help me with that pain. Do you see what I mean? Big picture thinking. See everything you are going through as a small thing. The Bible says that it's a light affliction. The Bible does not use words anyhow. You say oh see what i'm going through how is that a light affliction in the grand scheme of things it is light affliction it really is light affliction honestly it is what is the big picture at the end of the day our own big picture is you win regardless of what it looks like even if a christian gets sick and then believes god and they didn't get healed and they die big picture thinking says they are with jesus and they are well they are alive they are healthy and they'll spend eternity with Jesus and you will see them again that's big picture thinking when you zoom out and you begin to see that I oh, is bigger than this thing now how will I allow this thing that I'm going through literally consume my entire life to the point where I don't see anything good again so that is the fifth act of discipline that I've cultivated over years that has helped me literally build a super abundant life. Five that may not necessarily occur to people. So I've given as many resources as I can that you can follow up with each of these things and help build them into your own life. This is Allow Me Brigway, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.